1: Yo, 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 welcome back to the Greatest Show on Earth, the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Xavier, sitting here with the wonderful DD what's up? What's up? How
3: you doing today? Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, of
1: course. He sounds, he sounds so professional. Thank you um, for that. Yeah, I am professional. freshman. <laughs> right, you are a professional. My bad. That's my fault. That's my fault. Yeah, you know, it's, we ain't been in the studio in like a week, so oh I, God, I feel, you a man, fresh. you gotta keep it fresh. I feel good being back today. So today, we got a super, super, super dope episode. So I would definitely advise y'all to share this one. Um, to everybody you know, because this is about to be uh, jam packed with value. But before we start, I would like to advise all the listeners and all the watchers to please subscribe, uh, like, rate, leave a comment, leave a review, leave that five star rating, all those things. We're trying to get those subscribers up. Mm-hmm. Those uh, uh all, 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 Everything I mentioned, we're trying to get <laughs> that up. So you can do all those things. We are greatly appreciated. So, getting right to the show, we got, we got a special guest. And first, I want to say shout out to my bro, Jay, Jay Monopoly. He introduced me to this man, like, a, what has been, like, two, three months ago? Yeah, two, three months. yeah, it's about two, three months ago. And then he said, we, we, we got to get this done. I'm like, he told me about him. I'm like, yeah, we got to make this happen. So we excited to have you here on the show. His name is Kevin Jennings. So welcome to the show, bro.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. That of course. Definitely
1: and, and getting right into it. So for the people um, who may not be familiar with you, they, this may be their first time seeing you or hearing of you, do you mind just giving some background on yourself, let our
2: listeners know who you are? Yeah, cool. So I'm a um, serial entrepreneur. From Miami, Florida, um, I got into government contracting about 15 years ago. That's kind of the lane that I've been rocking with ever since then. Um, prior to that, just like most people, I was in real estate. So I was in real estate as soon as I got out of college, really. So from 24, I jumped out and just went straight into real estate. 23, 24 years old, made a bunch of money, then lost everything during the recession in 08. Um, got introduced to government contracting and really just been running up a bag doing that. Um, then just this past year, really, like February, January, February, mm-hmm. I really got into the coaching space, um, kind of pushed by a bunch of other people. Like, yo, you should do this. You should really start helping. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll hear y'all out. So I put a course together. And then um, so really the past six months, just been helping other people mm-hmm. learn about government contracting. And then, not even so much just the government contracting, but then also just helping people set themselves up as as, as business people, because mm. that's one of the major things about you know doing business with the government is you got to have a real business. You can't have a fake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah Nowadays, you got so many people that have play, play 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 businesses. So that's what I've been doing a lot of is just helping people grow grow their business and then show them how to get money with the government. Mm. That's, I want to
1: take it back for a second because we was just uh, out and we was talking about. Um, we were talking about how I think the recession is coming and some things yeah. I was doing to to, uh, to prepare myself. But you were telling me about the last one that yeah. you experienced. So, do you might just like sharing some of those things that you went through during the last recession and like what you learned from it. Cause you was, you was telling me like all the properties and stuff you had. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, listen, I, I was young and I ran up a bag with real estate because I, I realized like how to use it and I just went crazy. And so, I had a portfolio of like $15 million worth of properties. You know, at the age of 25, 26, and then the recession came in 08, and I lost everything. And like I was telling you, like, jokingly, I never had to file bankruptcy, but it's only because all the banks that I owed money to and had mortgages with, they ended up going out of business. So I ended up just not owning no. nobody, <laughs> nobody. But essentially, I like, I went bankrupt in, yeah. in 2008, and um, and that's when I got introduced to government contracting. But it was crazy. Like, I, man, I had a good run. I was living at a young age, and but nobody told me about a recession. So i always told myself man if it happened again i'm gonna be ready this time i ain't gonna be doing crazy stuff because like i was telling you if i knew then what i know now like i could have probably worked out deals and still had some of those assets yeah and i could be really 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 well off right now because mm-hmm. they were discounting properties down to like 10 20 cents on a dollar back then mm-hmm. so I, and i had apartment buildings i had yeah, apartment I buildings in miami I had apartments in atlanta like i had houses all over atlanta houses all over miami it was like I had houses in North Carolina, so like I had houses and, and buildings everywhere. But I didn't know how to negotiate with the banks. I didn't know anything like that, so I just let stuff go. But like now, knowing how to do all those different things, that's why I'm like, oh no, nah, this time around, oh no, nah, I ain't gonna get like. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, I know too much now. Nah, like, nah.
3: So uh, hold up a second, because we got to talk on this. Because you just kind of slid that in there, but you said you had a twenty-five million dollars portfolio. 15. 15. 15. 15. Fifteen. At twenty-five years old.
2: Yeah, twenty-five.
3: How in the world did you do that at was, such a young age?
2: Real estate was easy back then, mm-hmm. especially in Miami. He was giving out the loans. They huh? was giving out. It was just you didn't so have to do. So you were acquiring properties. I was just acquiring properties like mm-hmm. crazy, and then um. So I have a construction background. Okay. You know, so with my construction background, I started um. Like a little investment company with me and like four of my other homeboys. And so we all had individual skills at different trades. So, like, I was good with like drywall. We had another guy who was really good with tile. We had one guy who was an electrician. Another guy was a plumber. So, y'all
3: had the whole team. So, we had a whole little <laughs> team.
2: And what we were doing was we were buying HUD properties. Cause back then, um, kind of like how people talk about in Detroit, how like they sell properties for a dollar or for $100. Mm-hmm. Well, back then, they were doing that for properties all over the US. Like, HUD had a bunch of houses, and they were selling them for really, really cheap. So, you could buy properties for literally nothing, mm-hmm. and you just have to go in and do everything to them. But you were getting the properties for, for literally $100, 200 And so, that's how we did it. We just built up, and then I started getting apartment buildings. And then once I started getting um, – so, I started with single family, then went to, like, two- to four-unit multifamily, and then just got into apartment buildings and commercial stuff, and then just started branching out from there. Mm-hmm. So, it just yeah. – that's, just, amazing. Yeah, that's, right. that's amazing. And then I started doing new construction. And that's more so what I do like a lot now with my real estate stuff is I do a lot of new construction or like really massive renovations, not mm-hmm. like cosmetic stuff. And it comes from that. Mm-hmm. So after I got really good with doing rehabs, then I was like, all right, now the next step is to start doing new construction. New construction, And I had a homeboy that was, that was building. So we started building in Tallahassee where I went, I went to FAMU, like I was saying, in Tallahassee. So I, we started building back in Tallahassee. And then I was just building, so it just literally it was like from twenty four, twenty three, twenty four to like twenty seven, for me like those years were crazy. I was just going, going I was mm-hmm. I was going crazy, yeah, I was, was going crazy, crazy with real estate because <laughs> it was easy. Like right. you literally didn't have to do anything mm-hmm. back then if you if you had a little bit of money and they were doing stated loans. You know what I'm saying? Some, like that, that's it. They were doing stated loans, bank statement loans, mm-hmm. and of course we were making money, so we had the bank statements to prove Thanks, it all. Yeah. yeah. So you could you it was crazy. So then the recession happened. And and that was it. That was (laughs) it it, it, it was all gone. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, but it it was gone so fast. Damn. I was just
1: I didn't know what to do. but that led that led you into government contracting. So
2: how like how did that happen? How did that transition happen? Yeah, so um my dad was in the government contract he was a vet, he was in the navy. Okay. He was an aircraft mechanic in the navy, and so um he got introduced in the government contract in the early eighties when he had got out of the military, he was working for Eastern airlines and he would do, um, aircraft maintenance repair, like on the side for people who had little small planes in Miami, Mm -hmm. people used to have these little charter jets. They would go to the Bahamas or they would go to Cuba and do stuff like that. So he would work on their planes and then he ended up working on some, um, some military aircraft for somebody. And then that's how he got introduced to it. So then when I was going through all my stuff with, uh, with real estate, he was like, yo, you need to, you know, what you going to do? So then he kind of peeped me to it, and, and so I was like, all right, cool. Because I remember always seeing him do it. Mm. So then I started learning more about it, and then that's how I started back. So I started doing um, small commodities purchases, selling rubber gloves, hand sanitizer, paper towels, printer paper, printer ink. And I was supplying local place. I was supplying Homestead Air Force Base, um, the Coast Guard, um, TSA, for a lot of the airport, Miami Airport. And I was just selling them goods. And then that's how I was able to build myself back up. And then progressively started doing construction projects.
3: So hmm. how long from like when everything went south for real estate, did mm-hmm. it take for you to kind of bounce back business-wise and mentally from that huge loss and get into government contracts? Yeah,
2: mentally was probably like the worst. Right. Because it was just so weird, like being that age and going through all of that. Like I never really had nobody I could talk to. It was like i couldn't even really talk to my parents because they had never done what i had did at the time you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and then they had never lost it like i lost so it was kind of like mentally i was in a bad place so it took me like a year honestly year year and a half for me to just get mentally my, just mentally to get myself in a better position to even be able to deal with life
1: mm-hmm. really
2: yeah because it was I, I i had nobody to lean to i had nobody to talk to i, I couldn't do anything yeah i had moved to charlotte And that's when I started buying um, a lot up in North Carolina. I moved to Charlotte just to get out of Miami to try to get my head right. And I was up there for like a year Mm -hmm. just trying to figure it all out. And then so after that year, I came back to Miami. And that's when I started doing the government contracting. And then from the time that I started, it was a good, honestly, it was a good two years of just grinding before I really started seeing success. So I, I really didn't start doing halfway decent with government contracting until like 2011. Okay.
1: Mm. Yeah. I want to uh, take it back to like just the basis for somebody that's listening or watching and they, they probably don't even know what like a government contractor is. So do you mm-hmm. mind just breaking that down just for the person out there that may not even know like what, they yeah, mean, like, so, what the hell are they talking about?
2: Yeah, so the way I tell people is like this. Um, the United States government is the largest consumer of goods and services in the world, right? So the U.S. government buys everything from, like I said, from paper towels, toilet paper, all the way up to IT security services all the way up to the planes the space shuttle like everything is bought the United States doesn't doesn't truly manufacture anything and not just the government but just as a country in general right. we don't make anything everything that we we use is bought in some way so basically what a government contractor does is you supply the government whether it be federal state or local with everything that they need to operate as a government So, my companies operate at the federal level, and so we supply goods and services to the federal government. Then I also have another company where we operate at the state and local level. But we we do services for local states, and then also like the little cities and towns around. Because every every form of government needs help with something. Right. Yeah. So, like me specifically, I'm based in construction. So, a lot that I do is around the construction field now. So, I have a vertical construction company and a horizontal and an underground construction company. And what do you mean by that When you say vertical So my vertical is Your traditional buildings Um, And so we do stuff For like the VA Hospital um, The Air Force Coast Guard And we renovate buildings Um, We also We do stuff for the FAA As well We do uh, aircraft control towers For the FAA And some um, office spaces For the FAA And then my Underground construction company I deal in water And sewer infrastructure So basically I rehabilitate Water and sewer lines For cities and states Yeah So like not to get ahead of it, but basically that's what makes the business recession-proof for me. And that's why I'm able really to talk to people about it and get them to understand it. Like we're talking about the recession. It truly is recession-proof. So for me and my underground construction company, one of the best years that I had was the pandemic. And people say, why on it's like Because so you have these pipes that go underneath the streets and that run underneath houses and the buildings and everything. And they either supply water or they um, take the sewage away from homes, Right. right. So these pipes were designed for people to not be at home all day. They're made for you to be at work from 8 o'clock in the morning to 6 or 7 o'clock at night. That's how they do their design calculations. So during the pandemic, everyone was home all day long. So they're using more water. So that means the city has to figure out a way to pump more water too. Doing more number twos. They're doing (laughs) more number twos. They're taking more showers. (laughs) They're brushing their teeth more. And so my business went through the roof. But then on the flip side to that, as government contractors – the government uses us more than they use their own employees. So the pandemic as an example, when the pandemic hit and everything was locked down, they didn't want to have their employees come to work because the last thing they want is an employee to say, well, I came to work and I got COVID and then I brought it back to my family. Now this person's sick or this person died. Now I'm suing the city because they made me come to work. So what do they do is they bring in somebody like me. They make me sign waivers to say that I won't sue them. And then they make me go do all the work that they would have had an employee do. Oh, okay, damn. So, so that's that's the, that's the really government contracting.
3: Okay, so <laughs> something I want to hit on real quick is that you said it was recession proof. Now, are you saying what you specialize in government contracting is recession proof or all government, all government
2: contracts are recession proof? Mm, I okay. thought you were saying what you specialize nah, in. I'm just saying, I'm giving examples about what right, I do. Right, right, right. But <laughs> the entire industry is recession proof because the government don't stop. Like, exactly. they're printing money every day of the week. And they're spending money every day to like it ain't nothing and they, and they need certain things so the two options they have are to hire more employees and do those things or outsource to people like me and they'd rather outsource a lot of their stuff because it costs them more to have an employee than it does to have a contractor mm-hmm. just do the work so like the example we we're talking about earlier is if they have an employee that they're going to pay a hundred thousand dollars a year on a salary to do a job but then they also have to pay all the taxes that are associated with that person. They have retirement 401k. They have health insurance benefits that they have to pay. Those are what we call a burden. Mm-hmm. So there's a burden rate on every employee. So what they do by having a contractor come in is it takes away that risk of burdens. Right. So now they have a fixed cost. So they know that, okay, this person is going to do this job and it's going to be X and that number won't change. And so that's what makes a recession proof okay. because they'd rather use us.
3: One more question. Go ahead. So the government hires you, and they essentially take away a lot of the risk for themselves, but correct, correct. they essentially pass it over to you. Correct. So now what does that look like for you as a business? Do you think the risk, well, the award really outweighs the risk for you to take on that amount of risk to do the job?
2: Yeah, if you're a good business person. Like, mm-hmm. that's where it comes down to, like I was saying, with me, when I um, talk to people, it's like, now nah, you got to get your business together because you got to be a good business person. So you have to know how to analyze and mitigate that risk on your side. So you have to look at what they're asking you to do and decide, okay, if they would have paid, say, somebody on a salary a 100000 but now I'm doing it, these are the risk factors that are associated with it. So for me to do it, I got to charge you 200000 250000 300000 And then you as a contractor got to determine what your rate is going to be and what the risk is to you and what you're willing to take on. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't take on every job. Like, there's plenty of jobs that I just be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I pass on a lot of right, stuff. I pick and choose what I do. And I mm-hmm. do the same thing with, like, people that I talk to. they like, nah, you should probably pass on that, wait around, do this. Because the risk is there. Mm-hmm. And you got to think that they want you to do it because they don't want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's right. not it, everything that they want done. It's not like they can't do it themselves. It's mm-hmm. a reason why they don't want to do it. So you just have to determine if it makes enough financial sense for you to do it. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, it does. Yeah, like that's
1: that. crazy, and like you said, the gov- the government has so much. Money. I think the average listener, if you don't have any um, military experience or like worked in government contractor, it's probably hard for you to comprehend like how much money they just have to really waste. I remember when I was active duty, like you know, Deanna, you know, like once a quarter or yearly, <laughs> your, your squadron would get a them. right, your squadron <laughs> would get a budget on like we got this much money that we got to spend on supplies or whatever. And It would be stupid shit. It would be like office supplies. So yep. we would go to we would go down. And spend twenty five thousand dollars on pens, paper, mm-hmm. and never use it. Mm-hmm. It's just like we got to spend this money. You, you, you got to get it. yeah. You use it, lose it. Yep. You know yeah. You know. So like the government, they have so much money that they have to spend and do certain things. So if you in the right position, you got
2: the right business set up, structure, and all that, you could be the one reaping those rewards for real. Yeah, and that that's honestly what I be trying to tell people. Like they got the money, they have mm-hmm, to spend. it. The they money. have to spend it. The problem is, is that a lot of times they don't give people the knowledge of how to getting access to it mm-hmm. and right. that's that's the big problem but best believe the big companies the fortune 500s the 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 five families like all the right. people that truly run this country and this world they know it no, for sure. and they get their piece of it <laughs> they just don't tell you that it's possible but trust no. me they know no. like all them big companies like i tell i was doing a um a presentation like two weeks ago and i was talking to some people and i was showing them um just like a quick spreadsheet of all the different companies and how much money they make and it was two companies on there that really blew people's mind when i showed them the list so one was dell mm-hmm. dell did like 15 billion last year mm-hmm. and i'm like when's the last time you've seen you, a dell you seen a dell computer <laughs> right it's been, a minute. it's been a minute right you remember back in the day like yeah, they yeah, would send to the house. Yeah, yeah. like when's the last time you've seen a dell computer but dell's still making billions of dollars every year they don't need to show you that they're doing it. And the other big one that we looked at was um, Oshkosh. Oskos. Oshkosh. Oshkosh did like $5 billion last year. And I'm like, mm. but that's another thing. Like, these are companies that, in your mind, you've written them off. You, re- you definitely write them off. But they're not written off. They're just getting government money, and they don't need us as consumers anymore. Damn, now nah, it makes sense. See, in the military,
1: all you see is deals.
2: <laughs> Right. You know, all right, all you see is Dell. But when's the last time you went to somebody's house and, and you seen Dell. a Dell? No. You, ain't never, you ain't seen it. Well, we got, look, you got, what you got? You got an Apple. Apple. Right? Damn, but does that sense. mean that Dell is out of business? Nah, oh. Dell's still making a lot they of, just of just money. They, special, of they just specialize. So because much. they realize, and so, it, like we all know in business, right? So there's business to consumer, business to business, and business to government. Right. In business, yeah. we mostly, we get hung up on doing b2c we get hung up on business to consumer we get hung up on oh let me touch this person let me you know put this ad up on facebook instagram and get somebody to buy my product so we focus so much on consumers that we miss business to business and business to government Mm -hmm. whereas large corporations they do it the complete opposite they focus on business to government and business Business to to business. business and then if they happen to get consumer sales as a byproduct they're cool with it but the the main course of their business is not consumer sales whereas in business we always focus on consumer sales. So that's why I try to get people to understand it's not flip it, change the narrative. Do what they're doing like Dell is a prime example. When sense. Dell when Dell had a surplus or when they weren't getting as much government work, then they went out and they started picking up consumer stuff. But they didn't need consumer growth. They they based their growth on the government mm-hmm. and other businesses. Because Dell is big they're with big. If you have a business, like, they'll come in and outfit your entire business with computers, servers, all yep. those types of things. They're big on that. They don't really care about the consumer dollar anymore. They care about those other two.
1: That's crazy. That makes so much sense now because every every computer
2: I had while I was in the military it was a Dell computer oh, it's, crazy. it's like <laughs> it I laugh cause like anytime I talk to people and do something like this usually it takes like 5-10 minutes for somebody <laughs> and then you just see the light bulb going, and they be like bro that's crazy and I be like I told you it's not that hard and cause I talk to people and they'll be like man I don't know and I, I promise you it's like 5-10 minutes in they be like and then you just see the light and I be like see I told you and that's exactly what happened cause you're like hold on man yeah you're
1: right that's how it happens every time yo Every all our, time. All our computers was Dell. Yeah. Really
3: yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you this. So everything sounding good. Now, For let's say we got somebody listening. They want to get into it. They like what you're saying. Mm. But you don't say you got these big corporations in there like Dell, like you taking these government contracts. So what would you tell someone who's listening who doesn't have this big no, company but wants to get in and get contracts?
2: A it's, a, it's a laying for it because, so 20% of every dollar – That the government generates has to go to small and minority Mm. classification classified businesses of some sort right so they make it a point to give money to small businesses to give money to minority businesses um the terminology that we use in the the federal government now is um social economically disadvantaged Mm -hmm. and in the state and local they still do look at different things like you know black uh, latino things like that but on the federal government side it's basically based on you as a social status How much money do you make based on where you live, based on the census tract? And they have a goal to help you as a business get to the next level. So they they want to take you from being a small business to being a medium and large business. Problem is, is, they can't make you do it. But they have the programs and they have the things in place for you to do it. Mm -hmm. you just have to learn where to go for those things and stuff like that.
1: And don't, uh, the government, as far as like their, um, how they define things, don't they define you as a small business up to like what, 50 million or something like that? So it
2: depends on your, on your nice code, but typically I tell people 28 million and 500 employees. So as long as you make less than $28 million for three consecutive years (laughs) and have less than 500 employees, on most things you're considered a, a small, small business. business that's crazy now there are some nice codes that go lower to like 7 10 14 and there are some that go higher like mine and construction is 33.6 so until i make more than 33.6 million dollars for three consecutive years i'm still a small business so i can have a 50 million dollar year but then the next year have a 10 million dollar right. and i'm still a small business um so it being a small business is not what we think of as being small. Like if you hear small business, you're Mm -hmm. thinking somebody making a couple hundred grand a year, but Mm -hmm. to them being a small business is making under 20 or $30 million a year. Okay. And
1: what's the, and what's the, still having that label as a small business, how does that benefit the business owner?
2: Yeah, because like I said, they have to, they have to give so many dollars to you, to you. And that's their, their goal. So depending on what agency you're going after, um, where your location is, different agencies have different goals. And then, and they have different goals across the different classifications. So basically, there's small business, women-owned business, veteran-owned business, hub zone, um, 8A, and then there's Alaskan Native and Native American Indian that are also the classifications. So depending on what you actually fall into and what your work, um, what your scope of work is, that will determine how much money they set aside for you. That's crazy.
3: Yeah. And something I want to throw in there, um, how you just listed out um, women-owned, minority-owned, you have to be the majority owner of your business to actually qualify. Just throw that out there. But something I want to ask you, so for someone who's looking to get started, and let's say they might not know exactly where they want to specialize at, how can they figure it out? Is there somewhere they should look to see, okay, this is what the government needs, or should they just already come with a plan in mind?
2: No, nah, you don't necessarily have to come with a plan. You just have to come with the willingness to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's the government, one of the things that I like, and I, I'm a big proponent of preaching, is there's free information out there because it has to be given to you for free because it's you know, government dollars. So they have to show you where they're spending their money. They have to show you who's getting that money. All of this is public knowledge. So you can do a lot of research to kind of figure out where you want to fall in that and what you want to go after, um, and you can use a lot of that free knowledge that's out there for you because mm-hmm. they have to give it to you. They have to tell you where they spend their money. Mm.
1: Well, you're
3: a- paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, you're giving us
2: some game, for real.
1: But before we uh, continue on, we're going to go into our first sponsor really quick.
3: Hey, you guys. Making money outside of your 9-5 or your main income stream sometimes can be tough as you have limited amount of time, energy, and money. But when you invest in starting a car rental business, all of those excuses get thrown right in the trash. The car rental business is one of the easiest ways to start generating four to five figures a month in passive income, and it just got easier with the help of the car rental blueprint. The car rental blueprint provides information and systems you need to skip the headaches and get straight to the cash flow. You'll learn how to start, scale, and automate your car rental business quickly, even if you have limited time, money, or perfect credit. So, click the link in the show notes and use the code MMPOD to get 50% off. And when the cash flow starts filling up your bank account, thank us later. Now, let's get back to another amazing episode. And if you want to learn more about the car rental business, go check out episode 142 with special guest Brian.
1: So, if somebody is uh, about to get into government contracts, generally speaking, how long does it take to set up your business, your structure, where you can get a contract?
2: Yeah. So, it's the government. Right. So I like to always start by telling people that it's the government. So, like anything that you do with the government, it's going to take some time. So, like you, you asked me earlier, like how long did it take me roughly? Mm-hmm. Honestly, it took me a good year and a half, two years before mm. I saw success. Um, I've created a program where I help a lot of people and I try to get it done for them, try to get you registered uh, within three to six months, and try to get you actually out there bidding and winning after nine months.
3: What do you mean by registered?
2: So, one of the things that there's a big misnomer that people put out there is they think that if they go set up a llc or a corporation like they're a business but to do business with the federal government is so much more than that and even on the state and local level so you have to actually be set up as a legitimate business to do things the right way so what do we mean by that so it's having a, a business structure of your choice having an e-i-n having a duns number mm-hmm. Then from there we get you into the sam which is the systems for awards management And we get you a unique identifier, we get you a CAGE code, we uh, set you up with whatever type of classifications you fall under And then, once you're actually registered and they recognize and they validate and verify you Because what they do is they do a verification process So they're going to look at everything you submitted, they're going to look at your website, they're going to look at your phone number You know, double check that, make sure it checks out, they're going to look at your address and location They're going to look at all these things to make sure you are a legitimate business and once the government feels like, okay, you are a legitimate business, then they give you the ability to actually start bidding on work.
1: And you mentioned bidding too. So for the people that's listening, they might not—they uh, might be like, what do you mean you got to bid? What do, you, do you mind breaking that down?
2: Yeah, cool. So the bidding process is um, its real simple. So what they have at different levels of government, they have different tiers. So um, as you kind of alluded to when you guys used to buy pins, there's the purchase card level. Mm-hmm. So the P-card level um, Usually back in the day and sometimes now most people's P-Cards have maxed out at like 5,000 a day. Some people have 25,000 a day P-Cards. So on the P-Cards, which is government purchase cards, they can buy those things. They can buy goods, services up to $5,000 a day. The next level from there is going to be your micro-purchases and your small purchases. So those usually require like one or two people to come in, three to give quotes, and then they take the best one out of those quotes. And then when you get into your formal bid process, that's where they're actually putting out requests for proposals, requests for quotations, um, and then you're getting those from off of Sam. You're seeing what they want to buy, the quantities that they want, the locations they want them sent to, and then you're putting in bids and saying, okay, I can provide this service and this is my number. Um, And that's pretty much how the process works at all different levels. That
3: makes
1: sense.
2: Yeah.
3: So can I ask you this? Because I know when I was in, there was like this little running joke was that the government doesn't care about the quality they just going with whoever's the cheapest would you say that's true
2: no <laughs> <laughs> so no so here's how i would answer that from this side right from the contractor side mm-hmm. the government you are correct in that the government doesn't necessarily care about the quality but as far as the price not so much so what they want from me as a contractor is for example if i pick up a contract for painting They don't want me to be the best painter. They want me to be the best businessman. And then I go hire Hire the the best best painter. Because the best painter is usually not the best best (laughs) businessman. You see what I'm saying? That's a fact. So me as a government contractor, I am a great businessman. And that's what the government buys, is they want that. They want me to be able to do all of the paperwork. They want me to be able to, you know, respond in a timely manner. When they email me, I email Mm -hmm. them back. If they call me, I can call them back. If they need to make changes, they want to be able to talk to somebody. So that's what they want, and so you're kind of correcting like the quality aspect of it, but as far as the price, not really. They actually pay a premium for the services they get. Now, does it happen sometimes where they just pull people because they need to spend money? Yes. Right. if they got to burn through money. They're just gonna grab whoever's standing there to burn through the money. But for the most part, they they want to do business with good business people, and right. they they'll pay for that because. It sounds bad, right? And I'm going to get killed when I say this so y'all don't come <laughs> in the comments. But they're government workers. They work for the government because they don't want to work. <laughs> you feel me? No, I know exactly what you mean. Like, <laughs> and I can say this because once right. I held a government job for a very short period of time, you guys are in the military, like, you get mm-hmm. it, like, People work for the government because they're like, man, Man, I'm just going to sit here for 20 years. I'm going to get this pension. I'm going to get these days. all when they come. Like, I ain't trying to do nothing. That's a fact. And so as a government (laughs) contractor, I have to be cognizant of that. I have to know that, listen, this person ain't really trying to do all of this. That's why they're calling me. They want me to to put all that paperwork together. 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 And they call them and say, hey, I got it all together. Here's everything. Here's the file for the whole job. And all they got to do is look at it, stamp it, and put it in a folder. Like, they don't want to sit there and do all of that. All that extra stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why they work for the government. If they wanted to work hard, they w- wouldn't work for the government. <laughs> that's what, that's <laughs> fact. I mean, if, that's, that's exactly. people kill me when I say it, but I'm like, it's the truth. Like, no, the truth. how many government work? the The, um, like the little joker now, as always tell us, like we all been to the DMV and you, you walk <laughs> in the DMV, everybody mm-hmm. chilling. Everybody <laughs> chilling. Like, and it'd be like five lines, and it's always two old ladies at the end, mm. that ain't got nobody in their line. And if you go over to them, uh, uh-uh, uh, baby, uh-uh, you, gotta you gotta go, to go back, 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 over, back there. over there. And <laughs> you're like, <laughs> but right. you're not doing nothing. <laughs> uh, I don't <laughs> do that. I do nothing. You gonna go back over there? And then, nah, like, man. that's what I—that's <laughs> the government.
3: That, uh, you ain't lying. Yeah, that's the—that's a, a, <laughs> a, a fact. That's a fact. And so <laughs> that's
2: what we do as contractors—is I do the work that they necessarily don't want to do. do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That make that, that make a lot of
1: sense.
3: Somebody gotta do it. Somebody gotta do it. It has
2: to get done. Yeah, and they got to pay
1: for it. And they got to pay for it. Now nah, you giving you giving us some game, man. But I want to ask you this, just for the, uh, so the people that's listening to this, so they know firsthand, not only is you qualified to get an education, but you actually got the experience too. So, mm-hmm. my question is, so how many um, government contractor, con- contracted companies have you started?
2: So, four. Four. Yeah. Do you still own all four? No. Nah, I sold... I sold one, I'm selling another one, so... And then I shut one down. I, I merged two of them, so I ended up with three. And then okay. one I sold, and then one I'm selling now, and then I'll keep one. Okay. So the
1: ones you sold, what what
2: kind of... Um, what, what was the niche? Um, the one that I sold previously was... It was based on, like, uh, maintenance and service. So we did a lot of maintenance services for, for municipalities. That was a lot of state and local and some federal, but service and maintenance work for municipalities. Because, see, the thing is... And this is going into a whole another side exactly. of the government contracting game, right? <laughs> but mergers and acquisitions happen the most in uh, federal procurement. That's and, right. government contracting just in general. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is that you'll come in, you'll win a bunch of work, and then nine times out of ten, your competition. Like my, com- my competitor is the one that bought me. I actually met my competitor at a pre-bid for a job. And I worked in my business you know, every day as an actual owner-operator. And I went to this pre-bid meeting. And I was talking to the guy, and I don't know why, but they had just bought another company in my area, and the CEO of the company, of like the master holding company, happened to just be there that day. And I met him at this pre-bid, and then we were just talking. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this job and do this. And then one guy was like, how you know you're going to win? I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm going to beat you. Like, watch. And I beat him, and then like six months later, he called. was like, yo, we want to buy your company. And I was like, what and that's how it happens like yeah. your competitors buy you because as you start snacking up um, nice. sorry snagging up market share, they want that market share nice. and that's how they grow so a lot of the, all the biggest companies that's what they do like you'll come in as a small business and you'll win a good contract and then they'll come buy your company because they want your contract because like I've had awards in my company I had multiple hundred million dollar contracts but I can never realize you know what I'm saying two three four hundred million dollars worth of work because I don't have the, the capability yeah. to do it but this, you know, the private equity funds, they have the ability to do, to do it, to, you know what I'm saying, to do three, four hundred million dollars worth of work. So they'll buy you up quick just because they want your they want your contracts. Mm. So I usually flip my companies every three to five years. I start them, I build them up and then I flip them. And that's intentional. That's intentional. OK, I could get I could get higher um, margins if I kept my companies to like the 10, 12 year mark. Right. I could get more multiples for them, but I'm not greedy. Mm. So, I build them up three to five years, and then I flip them. I sell them. I mean, it's just like real estate. It's just like anything else. You build up a good asset, and then you'll find somebody that wants it, and you flip it and move on to the next one. Mm. So,
1: because I and the only reason I'm asking is because I know this, you, you know. You know what the listeners <laughs> want to hear. So, if you mind sharing this, how much did you sell it for if you can share it? Can you share that? I can't. Okay. But it was um, eight figures. Okay. Yeah. See, and the reason I'm asking is because, like I said, this may be people first time hearing you or seeing you. They might be hearing this information. They might go try to find your social media and be like, oh, I don't see, he's pro- he's not that big on social media. What does yeah. this guy know? That's why I'm at so they oh, yeah, know, no. like, you got the it's, game and it's the experience. It's been a
2: struggle for me with that, honestly. But, like, I tell people, you got to realize, like, I was a government contractor. I got money off the government for so long. I'm not supposed to be on social media like that, flaunting my work. Right. Exactly. It's the government's money. So for the longest, I lived my life in a, in a box, like I was in a shell. But now as I'm kind of re- as i retiring from that and I'm retired, I can talk more about it. I can live my life more publicly. So now I'm just getting into the whole social scene, you know, showing my experiences, sharing a little bit about me. Because it sounds bad, but like we talked about, people don't do government contracting because they just don't know it exists. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, even us as government contractors, while we're active, it's kind of hard for me to give the game out there right. while I'm still trying to do it. But now with me being retired from it, I could talk about it a lot more freely. I could show people experiences because if I was doing it very, very actively, I couldn't come in here and like show you an active contract that may have sensitive, you know, information on it. If you don't have clearances and all those things like that. But now with me being retired, I can take a contract that I might have had 10 years ago that now I can talk about. I can show, I can mm-hmm. do those types of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, this game, man. And if it, like I said, 'Cause I like I like for people to verify
1: stuff. You can look at all this stuff. Kevin got articles and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so y'all could y'all could y'all could Google y'all could yeah. Google them yeah. and do y'all yeah. research. But this is um I love this topic so much just because this is um like an alternative route that most people especially if you don't got no connections to that military world, you know it's less than one percent of the country that's in the military. Yeah. So a lot of people ain't got a connection. So if you if you already don't got a connection to this, you already not going to be hip to this kind of stuff. You're going to be like, what the government contract? I can make mm-hmm. money doing this. And if you are hip to it, like I was talking we was talking about earlier, you are probably going to be hip from like the um actually working for a company, from the mm-hmm. employee standpoint, not creating your own company. Mm-hmm. Cuz like I said, you was the first person that when I was talking to Jay, we had a conversation, and you kind of put the light bulb to me cuz I'm like, "Damn, I never really looked at
2: it from that standpoint." Cuz it's good money and working too, but
1: as you know being an owner is always way more money owning something yeah. So, yeah
2: that's what i try to do is just talk to people and show them the other side because like anything it's two sides to every coin but if you're only looking at the one side you think that that's all that it is yeah mm-hmm. and so even with like your experiences a lot of times people will be in the service the minute they come out then the first thing people say is, hey go get a job for this yeah. company you know <laughs> working for them they're a contractor and now you're able to take what you're making I just use I always use number like a hundred thousand just because it's easy so like if you were making a hundred thousand when you were in then you went to work for this company as a contractor and now you're making 150 what I tell people is understand that that contractor is probably getting two or 250 for you so what you should be doing is setting up your own company mm-hmm. and not going back to them and saying hey I'm not gonna work for you as an employee I want you to give me a 10.99 under my LLC I'm a service disabled vet so you are going to get the participation points for hiring me and I want you to give me that 250 that they're giving you I'll, I might let you make ten percent, twenty percent off me, so still give me two hundred. You're gonna give me a job at one fifty, give me two hundred, <laughs> and then on top of that, I'm gonna take these other four brothers that was in my platoon that want to do stuff too, and they all gonna work for me too, and I want two twenty-five or two fifty off of each one of them, and then instead of paying them one fifty that they was gonna give, you, gonna give them one seventy-five. So now you making your two two and a quarter, and you are making fifty thousand off of all four people. Oh, now you are making four or five hundred thousand dollars a year, and you doing the same job that you was gonna do anyway. Exactly.
3: And they don't care because
2: <laughs> all they want is somebody to work because they just want to make a markup on you. Mm-hmm. And it works the same way. If, they, if you can mitigate their risk, they'll pay you a little bit more for doing that. Pay more, And they're going to get points because coming back as a vet, now they can go back to whatever agency and say, hey, instead of just hiring these vets, they, owe, they started their own company and we subcontracted to them. So now the agency is looking at them favorable.
3: I swear, we could hit rewind right now (laughs) and just play that back for all the vets. I would. Because that's like serious game right there. A lot of people have no idea about Mm -hmm. any of that. But something I do want to ask you, for someone who may be listening, would you say there's particularly like an easier type of contract to go after versus like a harder one? Like somewhere like a good starting point, I would say. Honestly,
2: it fluctuates. It depends Mm -hmm. on the times that we're in. Like the industries, the hot industries, they always change. There's a couple ones that are always going to be good, like IT and cybersecurity is always going to be big. Construction is always going to be big. Healthcare is always going to be big. But I mean, it can be anything. Like I said, I started doing commodities purchases, and a lot of people that I that I mentor, I start them with commodities because it's that's the easiest barrier to entry. Right. That's the the most low cost. Mm-hmm. I literally started with a twenty-five hundred dollar credit one credit card, and then an yeah. Office Depot account, and that's how I was I was selling paper doing that. So you could start at that level, or if you have, if you were in the military and you have certain clearances, then you can go after work that right. that requires your clearances. Um, it really depends. It depends mm-hmm. on the person. Everything. There's a lane for everything. Mm-hmm. Now it's gotten even crazier because, like, social media. There's a crazy lane for that. Um, it's just.
3: But they need social media experts. Yeah. <laughs>
2: really? That's the thing. Dead serious. Oh, I know oh, that. Wow. Yeah, I, I found a contract. Uh, one company now has been 75000 a month from the Army to post on their TikTok.
3: Well,
2: well I'm what? out of here. I'm about to go. Uh, <laughs> so you got to so you you think, right, as, as the world changes and the cultures and everything changes, the government can't be left behind. So if people are spending most of their time on social media, on their phones, looking at stuff, and that's how you gain access to people, you got to think, you know, nobody has a house phone anymore. Right, You know, and now you can screen your calls on your cell phone. Mm -hmm. So how can they reach you? You know, they got to be on social media. They got to be on social media. So they're getting on social media. They're doing a lot of targeted ads, but they need people to do those things for them. So they need people to do that. Um, I've seen stuff for like event spaces. They're they renting event spaces to do things. They need audio visual stuff. They need people to record things, kind of like podcast type settings. They need people to record this and then send it out to the masses. They need people to um, record webinars. Like it's it's a crazy mm-hmm. it's a crazy game right now. They need everything pretty much. They need everything, yeah, because they don't do nothing. Right? <laughs> no, that's
1: that's the reality. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I hope this ain't going over. Um, People here for real, I especially those him. that got some kind of um, military experience or affiliation, yeah. because you can this, you can do this right. It's ball game for real.
2: Yeah, if you can, uh, if you can get into the game and you can really like, if you're a really good business person, I think we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. about somebody like that that you were saying. Mm-hmm. If you get into it and you really are about your business, you can get in and out real fast mm-hmm. and make a lot of money and mm-hmm. really change your life and change people around you's life. And that's kinda like this the, the point I'm at is like trying to change other people around me. Like, nah, do this somebody, y'all come get some of this money, like, and just try to help people because you can really you can run a bag up real fast. And it's a safe bag. Right. I mean, that's that's the that's the thing about it. It's it's recession proof, it's safe. It's gonna be there. They're always gonna pay you. As long as you do your job, you're gonna get paid.
1: Don't think about the government, they're gonna pay you. They're gonna pay, they pay. You ain't gotta worry about no check being late, none of that kind and of stuff. And if they
2: drag you out, like They'll pay late fees, they'll Mm -hmm. pay interest, Interest, like all those different things. They'll pay you. You just, you got to do your job.
3: Have Uh. you uh, ever dealt with like government budget cuts impacting like business at all? Not really. No.
2: Because when they cut budgets, they don't. So when they do budget cuts, it doesn't affect contracts that have already been awarded. Right. So that's the first thing. Mm. So if you already have a contract in place and they do a budget cut, it doesn't affect you because your money was in a prior year's budget. Um... And then also, when they do do budget cuts, they usually let us know that there's going to be a budgetary cut in a certain area. So you just stay away from that area. And, and then nine times out of ten, when they, if they actually do cut, they're going to get the funding back the next year. It's a reason why they cut. They just cut and they reallocate. But if what you're doing and the service you're providing is, is truly in need, they're going to find a way to put the money back into the system. So they're not going to cut crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, honestly, when they do cuts... If you ever look at the government spending chart, and if anybody wants to find it, I'm very fact-based. So it's www.usaspending.gov. Mm-hmm. So you can go on USA Spending, and you can pull up exactly what they spent in a fiscal year and what categories they spent it in. Normally, when they do cuts, they do them on the personnel side. So what they'll do is they'll cut their personnel spending. So that's why when anytime you ever see stuff about the government shutdown, you see the old government shutdown and the employees mm-hmm. can't go to work this week, they cut their employees. They don't cut me. They'll tell the employees, stay home, you're not getting a check this week. And then they hire me to go do the work. And why? Because the employees, they got to pay them every Friday. Me, they got to pay me every 30 days. So if they have me go do a job for them, they know that they don't have to pay me for 30 days. If they have the employee go do it, they got to figure out how to pay them on Friday. So budget cuts really don't ever affect me.
3: Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, go here, go okay, I got no, that's cool. I love it. Like, go, 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 go okay, uh, do you need a LLC for each industry? Do you decide you decide to go in when you're getting like no. government contracts no. so you can be all under one? Yeah, LLC. You can be under one. Okay. And
2: and, and uh, a good example that I use of that is companies like Lockheed Martin, mm-hmm. Boeing, Raytheon. These are companies that have one core competency, but they do everything. Mm-hmm. And so basically what you would do is you would have your one LLC you would have your main nice code, your North American Industry Classification. You would have that main code, which is that's what you your business is based on, and then you would have supplementary codes under there, which talk about everything else that you can do. That makes sense because I, mm-hmm. I used to know a lot of people that work for Lockheed, and they would do all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. And I used to be like, "What the hell, Lockheed do? Like, what's <laughs> their specialty?" Or even like Boeing. Like yeah. when, you, when the normal consumer, when they think Boeing, they think airplanes, right? Yeah. But Boeing does so much more than just airplanes. Like, Boeing makes a, does a lot more. Same thing with Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. Lockheed Martin is an aviation company, right? But they do so much more yeah, than aviation. They do all, all those companies like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, McKisson, um, Raytheon. Those are like the big five, the big one, right? What we call it. Like, those are your top government contractors, and they did contracts and everything. Mm, this, no, this some, this some shit right here. Like I said, no. <laughs> like I, said I hope this ain't,
1: um. I hope people are really paying attention, getting their notes. Like I said, sharing this with um, because this this is something that anybody can do. If they if they willing to do it, spend the time to set up, get their structure right, mm-hmm. and get and get this going. I want you to talk, touch on because I know you just started um your course, so I want mm-hmm. you to touch on that a little bit, like what that covered, how how would that help people and all that stuff. Yeah,
2: so I put my um I put my course together. Shout out to Chris Bruce. Mm-hmm. He Shout me out on to Chris that. Bruce, CV. He was like, I did this podcast. And he's like, man, you got to put a course out. You got to start talking, man. You got <laughs> to get a game about. Like, all right, cool. So I put a course together. And basically, what my course did was take, once again, I tell people all the time, it, it is free information. So I took all that free information. Put it and, together. And I put it together so it makes sense. It's just like anything with the government. Mm. The information that they're going to provide you is going to be so crazy that it doesn't make sense to it's you. Scare you away. It scares you away. So what I did was create my course in a way that it breaks it down for you. And it makes it relatable. Just like me, like we were talking about earlier, like most people, when they think of government contract, they think some dude in a suit and tie. Yeah, like, nah, this is me. I'm in a sweat. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I wear gas station t-shirts five days a week. Like, <laughs> and that's what I do with my course. It's simple. It's me. Like, And that's what it is. It breaks it down to you step by step, very simply, how to get into the game, how to bid, how to do all those types of things. So that my goal is that it doesn't take you two years like it took me. mm I want you to be able to go through the course, go through my mentorship program, or my done for you program, and we really help you get to that point a lot faster than it took me. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody is going to be as patient as I was, and I would right. I wouldn't be as patient now as I was then. I just didn't have no choice then. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right? Right? I ain't have nothing but time. I had no money. I ain't have nothing. All I had was my time. Mm-hmm. You know. So. um, I wouldn't be as patient now. So that's what I try to do with all my programs is make it so it's very easy for people to get into. Mm.
1: And for the people that, that uh, that's interested in purchases, where can they get it?
2: Uh, you go on the website, it's www.thegovernmentcheese.org. Mm. And so uh-huh. on there, you can get that. We gonna-
1: Oh, I was going to say, we're going to put that link in the uh, description of this episode. And also, um, since me and D, we already been talking about getting into this since we both veterans. So we definitely going to keep the people updated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going gonna to keep them updated. So we're going gonna to make sure we plug this at all time because this is going to be helpful for a lot of people. That's uh moving forward. There's, there's going to, this is gonna this is gonna go crazy. Watch, yes, it's gonna be helpful for a lot of people. You want to say something? Yeah, I got one last question. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so final question, because you know, like we kind of hit on earlier, is it's a lot of talks of session Some people saying it's here. Some people saying it's coming soon. Can you just lead the listeners with your three biggest pieces of advice or lessons for how to navigate? I was gonna
2: this. ask that Yeah. Man, the first one, this is gonna be a big one, and I. I I want everybody to just think about this, I'm gonna say it, figure out what your number is. The problem that I find with a lot of entrepreneurs that I deal with is they don't know their number. What and what do you people mean People in general don't know their number. If you ask the average person, how much money do you really need? They couldn't tell you. Mm. And that was something that I had to learn through the recession. I had to learn what my number is. I had to learn how much money it truly took me to live on a monthly basis. So then that way I went to work every day with a sense of focus. So now I know exactly what I need to live and I have my needs and I have my wants. So I know what I what's a necessity for me to live and I know how much I need to make if I want to fulfill all my wants. Mm-hmm. So one of the main things I'll tell people is understand your number and what you actually need to live. Because as we go through recession, things are going to get harder. Things are going to tighten up. Money's going to slow up. You're not going to be able to do the things you was able to do before. And so if you don't know how much you actually need, you're going to get lost in the sauce real fast because you're just going to be moving. So that's the one thing I would say is figure out your number. Figure out what that zero is. In business, I know what my zero is. I know that on the first of the month, I have to have XYZ. And if I don't have that number, then I've already lost and there's no coming back for it. So you got to figure out what your number is. That's the first thing. Um, Second thing to play on to that, I would say, live within your means based on that number. So... Don't get fooled by Instagram and all this. I'm here to tell you now that I'm involved in this whole Instagram and social scene, it's not (laughs) what you think. Them folk really ain't got that money like that. That's facts. Don't be fooled. That's not what it is. Live within your means and be happy Mm -hmm. um, with what your number is. And then the third thing is that what I just said, be happy. Understand what true happiness is. Because if you're not happy with yourself and what you are, there's no amount of money. There's no nothing that's going to make you happy. And one thing that I struggled with when I went through stuff in 2008 in the recession was it took me that year to get my mind right because I wasn't happy with myself. I put my I put my um, values in a dollar, and I thought that the dollar made me happy. So I went out and I got all these things: the cars, the jewelry, the clothes, living this life because I thought that would make me happy. And then when it was taken away from me, I was miserable because my happiness was placed on that. And so going through this next year or two that we're gonna go through, so you really gotta figure out what your happiness is. Because that's the only thing that's gonna get you through this. Get you through it. Because yeah. if you if you can't make no money and you put yeah. all your faith in a dollar and man. now you can't get a dollar, you're gonna be bad. That's why, why if you if you look back to like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you seen dudes on Wall Street was jumping Dropping off of buildings. Off the buildings. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm mean, saying? That's real. Mm-hmm. Like they were literally opening up windows, jumping out of buildings because they just didn't know what to do because they were sitting there watching their computer and what they thought was so valuable to them was taken away from them in seconds. And they had no happiness. They had no life. They had kids. They had wives. They had families. They had it all. But they had nothing because their value was placed in a dollar. So those would be my three things. A, figure out what your number is. B, figure out how to live within that number. And then C, figure out what your true happiness is. Mm,
1: I, love, I, love, I love that answer. Yeah, and well, uh, with that being said, do you think – do you think we are in a recession or do you think not yet? No, 100%, almost? we're in a recession. I agree. We're already in it. I think we I think we've been there for we've been there, we've been there for a little minute now. Yeah, we've
2: been there probably like a good 3 to 6 months. Mm-hmm. In my estimation it won't get super bad for another 6 to 9 months. Um
0: but it's going to be a long
2: one. Yeah, I and agree. I, and I, I think it's going to be a long one because normally they they last a little bit of time, but we have so many um all the political issues in this country mm-hmm. so we're going to have the left fighting against the right and then we're going to mm-hmm. be up for we're going to have an election year here coming up pretty soon we're starting mm-hmm. to already have primary elections so you're going to have people fighting with each other so they're not nobody's going to want to do anything because they're going to want to bring the other one for everything exactly so then we the people are going to just be stuck I'm in the <laughs> <Damn. laughs> yeah so it's it's going to be bad so people got to really get ready because it's our it's, too, it's we're already in it, it already right. we're
1: already in it so it's it ain't no get ready it, it's, here. It, it's here so <laughs> you just gotta buckle down and, and yeah. ride and we'll it start out it move. like i said I, we was talking earlier i said I, I already see it you know i when i'm going out i'm in the clubs people ain't making it rain no more <laughs> yeah. you go to the clubs people not people <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, for, no, I'm for real you go to the club last year 2020 2021 any night you went out it could have been a tuesday saturday sunday you go out Money flying everywhere, people ordering classy <laughs> zoo like crazy. Ace of Spade, mm-hmm. Casamigos flying everywhere. Now you go, I'm telling you, you go to the club, it's dry for real. Mm-hmm. Ain't no people, ain't throwing no more. They, so I'm just as a watcher, you know, I'm observing everything. I see like, so people ain't got disposable income like that no more. And that's that's like direct, like you know, when you go out like places like that, you get a direct feel mm-hmm. for like the streets mm-hmm. and the real and stuff like that. So when I was paying attention
2: to that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what's going on. That's- so That's Yeah, it's crazy. But man. see, like for me, living down in, in Miami, so we see it, we're always like six months ahead yeah. of the curve, right, mm-hmm. on everything. And so what we see now is we see a lot of the foreigners coming in as our dollar is really, really rough, and they're starting to take advantage of things because they know what's going on. So they're positioning themselves to get ready because they know that Historically, Americans aren't the most, you know, financially responsible people (laughs) 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 in the world. So in Miami, we see it like the people coming from, you know, the Middle East, like, and they're, you know, bringing money over from those places. You know, it's just everywhere. They're coming from all over and they see the opportunity because they see what's happening. They're watching the gas prices get crazy and they know that gas is crazy. You know, gas is crazy. So, like, if if somebody got to go to work and down there, down our way, I mean, you know, you're talking five, almost six dollars a gallon. Somebody trying to go to work and they're only making fifteen dollars an hour. By the time that's they go everything. to work, that's it. That's their money gone. That's their money gone. So what's going to happen? Like they can't, they Planning can't to go to work. They can't afford to live. Mm-hmm. And so being South Florida, like people see that, so they're coming taking advantage of it. They're just sitting around waiting, and we see them come more and more and more. Like and it and it's just from all over as well. People coming from you know up north from New York, from Boston, all these big cities, and they're coming down there and they're just sitting there waiting because they know it's going to happen. No, you're right. And so right.
1: I just seen the video uh, in Las Vegas. The gas was like eight dollars or something. Yeah, how, what What are
2: you supposed like? How can you? <laughs> yeah, how, like, like what you do? Like how you go anywhere? You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like, eight a gallon. <laughs> it's crazy. That's wild. Like you can't even you can't even go to the grocery store to buy groceries. And then when you like, so if you Fill your car up and you get there. Then you got to figure out what you're going to buy. What
1: you're going to buy. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything is so expensive. And they used to say it's cheaper to eat at home. It ain't, that ain't the case no more. That ain't the case uh, no more. You, buy, no, more you buy groceries. You could buy one meal. It'd be $100. Go to yeah. the grocery store. You go to Whole Foods. You spend $100 on some uh, uh, one the last few a day. You spend that going out. Yeah. So it's <laughs> um a recession definitely here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, and bef- but before we wrap up, I just want to say, man, this this episode was um, jam packed with a lot of value. We gonna oh, have to, cool. uh, we gonna have to do this again, man. We got to yeah, yeah we, we do. Th- do we gotta do this again. I always want to say, me and Deanna, we both appreciate you taking the time to fly out here to get this done. Like no, I'm super excited y'all. we was able to get this done, man. And, but before we let you go, do you mind uh, plugging on your stuff? I know, pretty sure. Hopefully, by the time this out, your gram back up. So you mind just plugging <laughs> all your stuff? It, babe.
2: Yeah, when the hate don't work, they start telling <laughs> <a> lies. <laughs> right. uh, so, my personal Instagram is uh K E V underscore J. And then, for the, uh, like I said, the website, www.thegovernmentcheese.org. And then the government cheese uh, Instagram is G O V underscore cheese. And, so that's me. Okay. And what's, the, what's your info, D?
3: And you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent, Twitter, Deanna Kent. And uh, yeah. TikTok. TikTok again again I knew I was forgetting something Yeah, I
1: got you, I got you Y'all can find me on all platforms That's at Xavier C. Miller uh, And you can follow the podcast Millionaire Mindsets On all platforms as well And that's all we have for you guys On this episode Of the Millionaire Mindsets podcast See you guys next episode Peace
0: Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with spot me and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. Banking services is a debit card provided by BankOr Bank NIA, or Stride Bank NIA. Members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.